I'm Seattle Times political reporter Jim Bruner. And I'm Seattle Times City Hall reporter Dan Beekman. Let's talk politics. Welcome to episode 47 of The Overcast, the Seattle Times weekly politics podcast. We're recording again this week in the Belltown studios of 88.5 KNKX. With primary election day fast approaching on August 1st, which is next Tuesday, we thought it would be a good idea and also kind of fun to hit the streets of Seattle and talk with voters about the city's super crowded, fast moving race for mayor. Went to several different neighborhoods in the sunshine Wednesday afternoon. There was nothing really scientific about our method. We just tried to spread out and get a, a few locations. We picked a few areas north and south of the Ship Canal, and accosted people walking down the street and asked them what they thought of the mayor's race. We asked them who they were supporting in the race and why. It was kind of an open-ended set of questions. We didn't give them a set list of candidates. You know, there are 21 candidates in this race, six more widely recognized front runners, And those six or some of those six were the candidates that most voters we talked to mentioned, but we didn't provide them with a certain list of people to choose from. Anyway, those six widely recognized frontrunners are former U.S. Attorney Jenny Durkin, former Mayor Mike McGinn, former State Rep Justin Farrell, current State Senator Bob Hasegawa, educator, attorney, activist Nikita Oliver, and then urban planner Carrie Moon. So, Dan, you started out going to Columbia City. What was that like? Where were you exactly? It seemed like you found a lot of people who were were actually pretty engaged in the mayor's race. Yeah, I I went down to Columbia City, like downtown Columbia City, right by the Starbucks, if you know where that is, uh, walking around the blocks right there. It was right after lunch or sort of the end of lunchtime, very early afternoon. And yeah, you know, I, I probably talked to 15 to 20 people as they walked by me. I'd say like a dozen of them were willing to talk and had something to say about the mayor's race. Many of them had a candidate that they knew they were voting for or who they had already voted for. And it was really interesting. Nikita Oliver was dominant among the folks I talked to. Yeah, let's hear from some of the Nikita Oliver voters you talked to. I'm voting for Nikita Oliver. I'm really excited about her. I think she comes from the South End. I think she knows the youth. She knows, she's been in the courtroom. She's been in the classroom. I think she knows what a lot of the people in the South End are struggling with. And I think she could represent the whole city in some really exciting and refreshing ways. I think the division in our city between the people who have a lot of wealth and the people who don't and the growing divide is the, really the biggest issue. Most of the people I know are voting for Nikita and are super excited about her. Um, we know that maybe that's not as strong on the north end, <laughs> and we wish it were. I mean, she comes from here, and so I wish more people around the city would get to know her because I think that um, that she really does have a lot to offer. You know, she's got a law degree. She's super bright. It seems like in all the debates and the interviews, um, she just has a way of really cutting to the point um, that I really admire. Um, and so, yeah, I think she could be great for the city, a really refreshing change. I plan to vote for Nikita Oliver because I feel like she is addressing the issues I think are most important to this city and to really any urban city with a high level of gentrification and um, a population of people moving in that have access to wealth that a lot of people here don't have access to. I think racial equity is paramount in all um, of the city's interests and I feel like she'll be addressing that. Um, I'm pretty confident I'm going to vote for Nikita Oliver. I like her uh, approach to some of the issues that feel most important to me. Um, uh, affordable housing, homelessness, uh, plans for the city's new youth jail. 
so like i like how she's approached a lot of those i think somebody who is going to be a strong advocate for uh quote unquote lesser seattle uh somebody who's going to be a strong advocate for for um homeless folks for folks who are being pushed out because of increasing rents i like nikita oliver a lot but i also um would i mean i feel like it's a pretty strong field and i would be also pretty happy voting for jess and farrell i'm voting for nikita oliver because she's freaking awesome she stands up for what i believe in and my people and she's taking the path that i think the city needs to be taken in it kind of rages but racial and social justice um definitely gentrification and lgbtq rights so i have a voting party coming up because my family's kind of all over the board we like to get around and talk to each other but i'm pointing towards her and stressing towards her but it's also just my crew and what we stand for and i've also got some of her people on my side so there's a lot of um a lot of people um I think uh, I'm going for Nikita Oliver. I think that she represents some people that really need to be heard. So we just heard from five folks who not only were in Columbia City walking around, but they all were Columbia City residents. Darla DeFrance, Devin Haynes, Sam Rennebaum, Kia Green, and Kim Doyle. What stood out to you, Jim, uh, listening to those interviews I did on the street? Well, obviously a lot of support for Nikita Oliver and you know, we've kind of been sensing this a little bit, I think. You know, you, you look on social media, she's got a lot of energy behind her. You know, we should remind people, you know, she's never run for office before. She's a younger candidate, but she's clearly kind of ignited, uh, you know, a youthful energy. And there's some people who are really excited about her message right now. Yeah, and this uh, these folks weren't all particularly young who I talked to. I mean, I think the location was a factor here. As one of the voters mentioned, um, uh, Nikita has lived in and spent a lot of her work time in the South End, and that's where I was, and and I and I think that was part of it. But yeah, it was really interesting. There, there just seemed to be a lot of support for her out on the street. But uh, it wasn't totally about her. I also heard some support for for Bob Hasegawa, who who lives pretty close up on Beacon Hill. So let's hear some of the voters who mentioned him. Mr. Bob Hasegawa, he's been around the neighborhood and Beacon Hill and everything like that for like years and years and years. So he's a really a part of the community and everything like that. And he knows what's going on. He's actually a part of the actual Seattle community. He has years and years of experience. He's local. He's not outside of our district or anything like that. He understands the problems that's going on with inside the Seattle community. Sky high rent. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, people grow up here average house is what a half a million dollars and up luckily i bought myself 20 years ago but somebody right now coming to seattle can't afford it you know it's ridiculous the other one they didn't really didn't didn't do anything for me you know the foreign mayor mcginn and stuff like that uh, he was in he had some good points and um good ideas and everything like that but as far as this bike lane kind of like stuff i kind of don't appreciate it <laughs> to be honest there's two candidates that really stand out for me one is Nikita Oliver, the other one is possibly Bob Hasegawa. Those two, to me, feel like the only ones who are not only qualified, but have the best intentions on taking care of the people here. I mean, I'm an African-American male, so a big one is the police reform, and I feel like Nikita's done a great job of performing that. But also, as far as on like an economic standpoint, I know Bob Hasegawa has a, a lot of experience doing that, so I feel like he'd be great. To, to take the city in a better direction. Hey, man, fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed, but 
I'm definitely gonna vote, and I know I'm gonna make a vote for a great candidate. Nikita is definitely, definitely nine out of ten right now. Though. I will be voting for either Bob Hasegawa or Nikita Oliver. Um, they seem to be the more liberal candidates, and both of them um, support uh, development tax for all the development developers here that are making millions on our <laughs> streets and not paying anything back. And also, they both oppose the stadium in Soto, and I live near there, and I appreciate that. I have to drive through Soto to get almost anywhere, and it already backs up with the train and the games. And um, it's a main, pretty main thoroughfare for, I think, a lot of us getting yeah. into and out of downtown now. So we just heard from Blaine Parrott of Mount Baker, Rashid Smiley of Skyway, and Gina Gutman of Columbia City. I talked to Blaine and Rashid down in Columbia City and actually talked to to Gina. I was on my way back to our newsroom and I stopped up uh, at the uh, Beacon Hill Library and talked to her up on Beacon Hill. But, you know, it's interesting. There, You could hear some some support there from all three of them for Bob Hasegawa, but, but two of the three actually said either Bob Hasegawa or Nikita Oliver. So still you're seeing the Nikita Oliver support. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought that they, those two candidates and they've even, I interviewed Bob Hasegawa and he said, yeah, we might actually be drawing from some of the same pool of voters. You know, Bob has represented that Beacon Hill area for a long time. He has an interesting background. You know, he's been active in politics and organizing longer. He's older than Nikita Oliver. He was, uh, you know, ahead of head of the Teamsters, local Teamsters union, Teamsters Local 174. He was actually part of a pretty interesting and at the time kind of divisive or newsworthy uh, reform movement of, of the Teamsters, who, as you know, some of their past leaders had been under federal corruption probes. He was part of the Teamsters for a Democratic Union movement. He came up through that. That's how he got into politics. There are people who remember him for that. Yeah, and you could kind of hear that uh, Blaine, the first gentleman I talked to, was a little bit older, and you know he mentioned he had owned a ha- bought his house like twenty years ago, and you heard him saying, "Yeah, Hasegawa has been around for a lot of years," so he sort of identified with him in that way. And then you heard uh, Rashid Smiley, uh, the second voter there, mentioned that he saw Hasegawa as as having experience dealing with economic issues. That made me think of maybe he's heard Hasegawa talking about the the municipal bank, the the municipal bank, the city bank that he mentions every chance he can get. That's a really big idea that he has. And I wonder if if uh, if that voter had heard him talking about that. But, um, yeah, you make a good point about them. Maybe uh, Nikita Oliver and Bob Hasegawa drawing on some of the same voter base. Potentially, that could be a problem for them, you know, uh, vying in this crowded field to try to get through the primary you, know, you want to make yeah. sure you have that dedicated base that's Still, only voting for you. it's pretty striking. So many of them were really zeroed in on those two. And we'll hear from some people in other parts of the city who had some other candidates too. But that that was really striking what you found yeah, but Yeah, before we move on, I did talk to some some folks uh, uh, in Columbia City who weren't sold on Nikita Oliver or Bob Hasegawa. So let's hear from some of them. I'll be voting for Jenny Durkin. I think she's probably the most responsible person. And with her background in the prosecutor's office uh, she's even though well she's going to be tough on crime and I think that'll that'll help the situation because I live in Rainier Valley and our shots fired are 60% of the Seattle shots and something has to change because I don't particularly feel safe in my neighborhood anymore uh, none of the other candidates well Bob Hasagawa because uh, he's in, from our area as well 
and he's got the Senate experience. But I think on a citywide basis, Jenny has, she knows the area and she's been from, and she's from here, like me. I'm voting for a female because it's time for women to become leaders, but I'm voting for a female, okay? Gang violence, killing each other. We need to put a stop to that. Um, I've heard that it's pretty confusing with 21 candidates, um, but I'm really excited that some of the front runners are women. I haven't been steeped in, in um, the backgrounds of all these candidates, so I'm playing catch up with looking at backgrounds and seeing what issues matter to people and um, what their positions are. I'm really excited to have a woman mayor for a change. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, and there's some really strong candidates too. It's not just a token woman or two. It's, there's, there's quite a few good strong candidates. I have no idea who's running for mayor. Truthfully, in this city, um, affordable housing and uh, helping the homeless. I would definitely cast a ballot. So there are a couple maybe threads to pull on in, in that set of voter interviews. And first, I'll, I'll mention the name. So we heard Karen O'Brien of Rainier Beach, Maxine Dillon Holmes of Columbia City, Sarah Breyer of Columbia City, and uh, Lamar Thomas of Beacon Hill. You know, one theme there was crime people concerned about crime. You heard that from the first voter, uh, Karen O'Brien, and she was saying that she thought Jenny Durkin could be tough on crime. And then you also heard that concern about crime from Maxine Dillon Holmes. And um, I didn't include this in the clip, but she actually told me that she couldn't remember the name of the candidate she thought she'd be voting for. She knew it was a woman, but she said she thought it was Durkin and that she thought that candidate had visited her church, the first AME church. She she also had that concern about crime. And then another thread to pull out, several of the voters I talked to in that set mentioned that they were excited about how many women were running, how many prominent candidates were women. Yeah, it's interesting on, first of all, on crime, you know, we've had, you know, it, the views kind of run the gamut in the mayor's race. You have people saying Jenny Durkin would be tough on crime. You know, Mike McGinn recently has been out there talking about shots fired and trying, trying to try to say that, you know, I'm paying attention to this and also saying the police chief is sort of checked out. And then you have candidates like Nikita Oliver who have questioned sort of the basic theory of policing. I think at one point questioned whether there should be a police force is a big opponent of the youth of the youth jail. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the issue of women in the mayor's race. I think it's fascinating, you know. We have, we've had one woman as mayor in Seattle, Bertha Knight Landis, 1926 to 1928. I think I have those years right. And none since. And it's really striking in a city like Seattle that has a progressive reputation. And, and as one of those voters said, there's some really great candidates who, who happen to be women who are running. And we, we probably have the best chance, you know, in decades to actually have a woman elected mayor. In fact, it's quite likely we could have two women in the general election. For sure. And then maybe to transition to some of the voters you talked to, for example, down at Westlake Park downtown, that last voter I, I spoke with, Lamar Thomas, said he didn't know any of the candidates running for mayor. He said definitely he was going to still try to do his research and he was going to cast a ballot, but he wasn't checked in yet. Yeah, I, I went down to Westlake Park, I think, about the same time you were up on Beacon Hill around then. I, I spent quite a bit of time, you know, it's crowded down there around lunchtime. A lot of people waiting in line for food carts for pokey. The pokey line was insane. And I, I talked to many people in the pokey line, and uh, many of them didn't want to talk. Uh, many of them, of course, you know, some of them are not from Seattle. They're just downtown to work. Of the people I did talk to, 
you know, a number of them said, look, I haven't been paying attention. I I don't really have anything to say about the mayor's race. You know, it's a midsummer primary. Um, Some people said it kind of snuck up on them. Let's hear from some of them, though. Well, um, I read your recommendation and also read another newspaper called The Stranger uh, recommendation. And I went with you guys because I think that you guys were more down the center. And, and I, uh, I believe in what you wrote. I didn't do my research deeper than that. So, yeah, so I did, I did look uh, like what you wrote and I believed it. So I went with what you guys said. <laughs> I was following what happened with the previous mayor, and I was saddened that it all the, about the whole thing. And uh, so I was kind of hoping he would get to stay. But if what they said is true, then it's very regrettable. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. One, I'm a conservative guy in a liberal city, uh, and you know, summer's been really busy. It's been a nice summer, and it kind of snuck up on everybody. And with so many people. Uh, in the mayor's race that have very similar views and very similar ideas of how to run the city. Um, it's funny how some of the, the the biggest ticket items have been one, the Soto Arena or uh, the arena in general, which is kind of weird. Uh, I've seen that pop up on my Facebook page a lot. Uh, and then also, obviously, the homeless uh, situation and what people are going to do there. And that was Jose Vialta, who said he's going to vote for Jenny Durkin. He actually lives in the South Lake Union neighborhood, he said. And then from Josh Birch, who uh, was also downtown, of course, at Westlake, but lives in the Eastlake neighborhood. It was interesting there, of course, you know, Jose Vialta said that he he based his he, he's basing his vote. And I think he already voted on the Seattle Times endorsement. We should point out that's the Seattle Times opinion page endorsement. Not not Dan or I were not involved in that. But those are a cue for some voters. They look at those and they they help them make up their minds. And then Josh, of course, is in the situation of maybe one of the lonely conservatives in the city of Seattle and not really sure who of the major candidates he could vote for. So clearly he's, he, he said he is going to vote though. So he's going to maybe look down the list, maybe for some of the lesser known candidates. Yeah. It was interesting to hear the first voter say that he was sad, saddened by, about what's happened with Mayor Ed Murray and that if not for that, he would have liked to see him stick around. It may be that a lot of voters have, have totally moved on, but Maybe there's still some out there who are looking for someone like Murray. I suppose Jenny Durkin might be that candidate. You know, Ed Murray has endorsed Durkin, and that's a definitely some kind of a mixed blessing for her because of all the uh, controversial stuff uh, that the mayor has been involved in the headlines recently. Yeah, definitely. Jenny Durkin has picked up a lot of the Ed Murray sort of coalition business groups, even one of the city's most powerful labor unions, SEIU, supporting her. And we should say, uh, just because we mentioned the Seattle Times endorsement of Jenny Durkin, which we're not involved in, but just uh, for information purposes, I think The Stranger endorsed has endorsed Carrie Moon with a dissent from some reporters for Nikita Oliver. And uh, the Seattle Weekly, I saw, endorsed Nikita Oliver. Uh, but Jim, you, uh, you didn't just go to Westlake. That was kind of a, a tough crowd, so you went up the hill to Capitol Hill. And what was that like up there? Yeah, I walked up and down Broadway bugging people and get, you know, got a few people to talk about the mayor's race. Um, there uh, I, there was uh, some support for Jenny Durkin up there, some support for Nikita Oliver. Those are the people that we're, we're going to hear from now. I've always supported uh, a Democratic uh, candidate. I did fundraisers for Norm Rice, uh, Mayor Murray, uh, and this year I'm for uh, a wonderful woman, uh, 
that's got a great family history of politics, and I think our city needs a woman's touch at this time in our stage of our uh, evolving. I like her, uh, the fact that uh, she's always been good with the gay community. Uh, that's not the most important thing, but it is important to me. I like that uh, she's always stood up for what's right, even if uh, it hasn't been a popular stand. And she's got some guts to her, and I like that. There's a difference between having energy behind you and having policy solution, and I would hope whoever is mayor brings in a really good team around them to help with a policy. But it doesn't matter if you have policy if you don't have a vision for the city, and I think she has a vision for the city that includes people that are being left out. And I think that's really important because this city has sold out over and over again people who are just regular folks who are trying to live here. And it, the city has sold its soul to wealth, and it's driving out humanity, and I can't have it. I can't stand by that. That was Steve Bennett. He was having a coffee and uh, said he's supporting Jenny Durkin. Mentioned her, her long family history of involvement in Seattle politics, which older people in Seattle maybe know the Durkin family name. You know, her brother, Jamie Durkin, is a prominent lobbyist. One of his, her sisters is a big land use attorney. Her father, Martin Durkin Sr., was a big power player in the legislature back in the day. We also heard from Karen Schwartz. She's the owner of Sugar Pill. It's like an apothecary on, on Capitol Hill. They sell medicinal herbs and things like that. She had a sign in her window that said, you know, I support Nikita, small business order for Nikita Oliver. So I went and talked to her about her support for Nikita Oliver. You know, one thing that I, I thought was interesting listening to those two voters was the first voter, uh, all of what he talked about was sort of about his preferred candidate's personality and about her and her family. And then the second voter was more focused on, at least in that clip, on what's happening to the city. Did that strike you in talking with them? Yeah, what struck me with uh, Karen Schwartz was, I think I had asked her a little bit about the experience question, which, which comes up with Nikita Oliver. And, and she said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have all this experience, if you don't have sort of the vision. Or And she said, I think she's speaking to me about what's happening in, in the city in a way that I don't hear anybody else talking about. We've heard actually a lot of the mayoral candidates talk about wealth inequality in the city. But for whatever reason, you know, for that voter and for some others that we're talking to, Nikita Oliver's message has kind of poked through. But then, uh, Jim, we, we want to make sure to get some some voters north of the Ship Canal as well. That's a big part of the city, obviously. So you you headed up to Lake City, right? Yeah, I uh, costed more voters outside the Lake City Library. I don't know, it was the evening time, I think, and people were rolling in and out, checking out books and, and DVDs and things like that. Let's hear from a couple of them. I really, I know he wasn't popular with a lot of people, but I thought he... Um, did what he tried to do, what he said he would do. And he stuck to what he thought was right. And I think, you know, the tunnel is a pretty good example of somebody who had the understanding of what could happen and just really wanted to, let's, who is going to be responsible if that happens? And he was quite clear about that. And people took that as he's trying to stop the tunnel, which that was his personal view. I understand that. Uh, Jenny Durkin, but... Uh, I'm still learning about all the others. I listen to NPR a lot, so I heard her interview on KUOW, and uh, she seems very reasonable and down-to-earth and uh, kind of tough, so I'm not sure whether I want to go that way. Anyway, I'm learning. I'm just mostly thinking about it still. That was John Kelly. 
he'd rolled up on a bike and it was talking about his support for Mike McGinn. I don't think he said Mike McGinn's name there, but that's, you could probably tell that's who he was talking about. He, he thought maybe McGinn got a, a bad rap in his first term for being divisive or something, but he, you know, he feels like McGinn stood up for the right things and asked the right questions on the tunnel project, for example. And then Laura Martin, who was, I think, leaning toward Jenny Durkin, said she's still thinking about other people too. Call Jenny Durkin tough, something that I think we've heard other people describe Jenny Durkin as maybe be tough on crime or be a, a strong leader. I should say that also off tape, you know, John Kelly also said he'd also been hearing from a lot of friends about Jess and Farrell. And so, you know, he might give her a shot too. Yeah, and maybe no coincidence that he was riding a bike. Obviously, Mike McGinn, known as the the biking mayor, Mayor McSchwin was a was a moniker for him. Right. And that, that's been, you know, good and bad. We heard a voter earlier, of course, said, I didn't like that bike lane stuff much. But um, if you're into bike infrastructure, things like that, Mike McGinn has been somebody who's been supportive of that. He's also, as we said, been talking about crime a lot recently, going after the police chief. He's not a, like a one issue candidate, but that's something people associate with him. And we talked earlier about Nikita Oliver and Bob Hasegawa potentially pulling from some uh, some of the same voters do you think that that could be issue with McGinn and Farrell and maybe Carrie Moon as well or with the, some of the sort of urbanist or bike yeah. transit-oriented voters? It could be some of the urbanists maybe split. It's really hard to tell. I mean, of course, Justin Farrell has, you know, potential geographical base, just like Bob Hasegawa does by virtue of, you know, serving in a legislative district. 46th district is a, a uh, you know, I think a more affluent district. It includes more of the city, actually. It's mostly district. northeast Seattle with a little bit of the north Seattle, northeast Seattle suburbs. Right, whereas Hasegawa's 11th district, a lot of it is actually outside of the city of Seattle, but it does include the Beacon Hill part of Seattle. And we should say Carrie Moon, I think, was the one of the sort of leading six candidates that nobody we talked to mentioned. This was very unscientific, as we, as we said before, and it was kind of random where we were and who we were talking to. But maybe it means a little bit of something that nobody mentioned her name. Yeah, I've kind of wondered if she can rise above the field and, and get into that top two. She does have the strangers endorsement, which in the past has been a really big deal in Seattle politics, but it was diluted diluted a little bit this time by, you know, I think four of the strangers staff or something saying, no, we really like Nikita Oliver. And I should also say, you know, sometimes we hear from some of the other, you know, there's 21 candidates and sometimes we hear from them that uh, they're not getting enough coverage by us and other media outlets. Nobody we talked to mentioned anybody outside that top six. Either. No, nobody on recording. I, I will say that some people I talked to who, who didn't necessarily want to be recorded said, you know, oh, I I talked to a real change vendor actually down at Westlake who was like, you know, I think I met one of the mayoral candidates. She said, I think his name was Hamilton. Greg Hamilton. Who has the uh, signs in Seattle of him holding the uh, Space Needle aloft, I think. I don't really remember a lot more about him. Have you written about him or what's his story? Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, he has a military background and uh, has also done some work, I think, in green agriculture. Sometimes that can make the difference. Is like, you know, the candidate you meet is the one you remember on a 21 candidate ballot. Maybe that's what makes a difference. It's why the candidates, though, who are the front runners also have volunteers or surrogates out there going door to door. You know, I've seen the Nikita Oliver people out there. I've seen I see a lot of Hasegawa signs. I see and when it comes to the sign race, you see a lot of signs. But I think on the ground, the volunteer operation could make a real difference in this primary, too. And that's something I think that, Dan, you're writing about for the Seattle Times and will be in the paper and online soon. Yeah, right? I'm working on a story on on the ground games of the couple of the campaigns and trying to just get a sense of 
what does this campaign look like out on the street and sort of behind the scenes? So look out for that coming up soon. I did want to raise one more point. I think I was going to mention it. Clearly, we're really focused on this stuff. So maybe we think that everybody knows what's going on in the mayor's race, but there's a lot of people who are checked out. A voter turnout, I think, in King County as a whole is projected at something like 38%. As of yesterday, which would be, I guess, Wednesday, there were about 47,000 ballots returned in the city of Seattle. That's about 10% of the total, 463,755 registered voters in the city. So there's a lot going on in this race, but it's probably going to be a low turnout race. And it's really anybody's guess at this point who's going to emerge on top. Right. And with so many mayoral candidates, when you have low turnout and you have so many candidates, I mean, really always every vote counts. But in this race, really every vote counts because the candidates who advance out of the top two primary to the general election in November are going to do so potentially with 20,000 votes or 25,000 votes, something like that. It's possible. That's all for episode 47 of The Overcast. Thanks again to KNKX for letting us record in the studio. And thanks to you all for listening out there. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at dbeekman at Jim underscore Bruner. Send us an email at seattletimesovercast at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 206-464-8778. Please listen to us on iTunes and review us there. You can also get us on SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And until next week, have a cloudy day.